0: Matthew 15, and um, here's what it says. I'm going to just start reading while you're finding it. Here's here's what it says in Matthew 15, verse 6. He need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites, verse 7 of Matthew 15. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Jesus, by the way, this setting, just to give you a quick background, he's having a dinner. He's having dinner with some friends and associates. Some of them are scribes and elders and Pharisees. So this is a mixed bunch, and Jesus is having dinner with these people, and they start complaining that his disciples did not wash their hands before they ate, Now, by the way, that would sound like a valid complaint if they were only talking about physically washing their hands, you know, like this. If they weren't washing their hands like this, they wouldn't be using sanitizer in the first century. They would be using water. If they weren't washing their hands like this, then the scribes and elders would have had a valid complaint but that wasn't their complaint. They weren't talking about physically washing their hands for hygienic purposes. They were talking about they weren't washing their hands for ritualistic purposes. So the way that the scribes and Pharisees wanted Jesus and his disciples to wash their hands is he wanted them to take some water about Essentially, a half of eggshell worth of water. Now, you know this is ritual, because what can a half an eggshell do of your hands there? A half an eggshell worth of water, and you pour it on your wrist so that the water leaks down. Then you shake it and dry it. That was called ceremonial cleansing. If you had had contact with a Gentile, like one of y'all, <laughs> If you, had, if you had had contact with uh, some fruit or vegetables at the market that a Gentile may have touched, brushed up against, or come in contact with, then you'd have to wash your hands like this. You first put your hand up. You pour water down. The water, I won't do it because I'll just make a mess on the floor, and this is Marie's drinking water, which she probably won't drink now. You pour it down so that it covers down to your wrist, then you stop You put your hand down, and then you pour some more water down to wash it off. Basically, it's like having the cooties. (laughs) They weren't washing for cleanliness purposes. They were washing the filth of Gentiles and Philistines and unregenerate people supposedly, ceremonially, ritually off of their hands so they wouldn't contaminate themselves by touching us. Gentiles and the Jews did this at every meal, and then these Jesus told the disciples, You don't have to do that, ritual cleaning is not necessary. By the way, it's not even in scripture. If you read the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, you get all of these dietary laws of the things that the jews could and could not eat they couldn't eat shellfish they couldn't eat food that wasn't chewed by uh, an animal that didn't have a hoof or chewed the cut so pigs were out crab legs were out lobster was out shrimp was out Pig feet were out pork chops were out bacon was out so no black person could have basically been <laughs> No, I know some of you are vegan, some of you are vegetarian, I mean, vegan and you're vegetarian, so my apologies. But 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 basically, Leviticus 11 would just about eliminate most of our diets. But here's the thing, though, guys. Here's what was so horrible about this. It wasn't that just that they had this ritual cleaning that they were accusing Jesus and the disciples of not following. They were basically saying, as a result of not observing this ritual, you guys can't be holy. It was, a, it was a non-starter. It disqualified them from being accepted by God. That's how deep they went with it. And it was a ritual. It wasn't included in the Bible. It wasn't part of the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. It wasn't part of the historical books, the next 12 books of the Bible. It wasn't part of the prophets, major or minor. This was a practice that they made up. This was virtue signaling. It was basically building a fence around supposedly the core laws, the Ten Commandments, and they had these 613 laws, these these rules, these man-made rules that they built, ostensibly to keep them from breaking the biblical rules that were canon, but they built these other rules that actually over time became more important than what the Scripture says. It actually superseded Scripture in terms of importance. And that's what they were complaining to Jesus about. Okay? And Jesus is about to blow them up. (laughs) He said, You hypocrites! Jesus doesn't use such strong language outside of pretty much Matthew 23 when he's calling all of them hypocrites and whitewashed tombs. He's going off, though. He says, you hypocrites. Isaiah was right about you guys. Now, Isaiah's lived you know, several hundred years before this. It was 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. And, and Isaiah was probably another two to 400 years before that. So this is almost 1,000 years ago. Isaiah prophesied of these guys. And Jesus is calling their memory back. He said, Isaiah was right about you guys. You're hypocrites. You say one thing with your lips, but your heart is far from it. Let's make sure that that accusation or that declaration can't be made about any of us. Amen. Or that if it is made, that it's not true. Okay. Let's make sure of that. Drop me down to verse 10. And he called the people to him and said to them, hear and understand this. So Jesus goes into parable mode. Watch this. I'm going to be very quick today. It is not what goes in the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles this person. Then the disciples came and said, do you know what the Pharisees were offended? Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? This is what the Pharisees, this is what the disciples are saying to Jesus. Jesus answered and said, Every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a pit. You all remember that saying, right? You remember your parents saying stuff like that. If you're, the blind lead the blind, you both fall in the ditch. Well, that's what Jesus was saying there. Verse 15, he says, But he said to Peter, Explain, but Peter said to him, rather, Lord, explain the parable to us. And he said, this is Jesus, are you also still without understanding? In other words, he's saying to Peter and the disciples, he said, wait, y'all my boys, y'all don't know what this means? You don't understand this? He said, okay, let me school you so that everybody is clear on what he's saying. He said, do you not see that whatever goes in the mouth passes into the stomach and it's expelled? So he's saying, the food that you eat does not make you Holy. Now, and I will just say as a disclaimer, I'm not saying that Leviticus 11 is all bad. There are some dietary laws in the Bible that might have been specifically designed for the Jews at first, but would be helpful for health reasons to some, if not most of us, right? I mean, there are just some things that we shouldn't eat, or if we eat it, we should eat it in moderation. But there are some things that we just probably shouldn't eat at all, especially depending on different medical situations that we might might have. So... The point that I think he's making really is that don't worry about the dietary laws. Don't worry about the ritual laws. Don't worry about the ceremonial stuff. Don't get caught up in what I call churchiosity. This stuff is just a distraction. It's keeping us from what's really, really important, and that's what God says in his word. Okay? So he goes on and says, we wrap this up. He says, Peter said, explain the parable to us. And he said, are you also still without understanding? I'm at verse 16 of Matthew 15. Verse 17, Jesus says, do you not see that whatever goes in the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what goes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this is what defiles a person. From out of the heart comes evil thoughts. You all listening? Evil thoughts, murder. Adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. In closing, in closing, God wants us to give him our best from our hearts and not just lip service. Amen? Amen. We believe in our heart, According, and Brother Beecham has done an amazing job on Wednesday nights. Guys, come and check out Romans. We haven't gotten to Romans 10, 10 yet, but we're going to be talking about Romans and the Roman road, and especially chapter 10. But we believe in our heart. That's where salvation comes from. We love from the heart, according to Matthew twenty two thirty seven. I love this. He said it to them, you shall love the Lord your God. This is the Hebrew word, Shema which means hear, oh, Hero oh Israel. So the Shema says that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, and we should love our neighbor as ourselves. That's the first and the second commandment, the first great commandment, and the second is just like it, that we should love our neighbor as ourselves. Jesus said on these two commandments, that is loving him and loving each other, hang all the laws and the prophets. In other words, it doesn't matter what else is in the Old Testament or the New Testament. If you don't love God and demonstrate that, verify that by loving your neighbor, then the rest of these don't matter. Isn't that amazing? So we believe in our heart, Romans 10, 9 and 10. We love from our heart, Matthew twenty two thirty seven. 37. We sing from our heart the way we sang this morning the way Lisa sang and the way Rick is about to sing as soon as I sit down. Colossians 3.16, it's a great verse. We love to quote this. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, you ready? Listen, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness, where? Not with your mouth only, not with your lips, not melodically, but from your heart. Isn't that great? Jesus said, you may not have the voice of Mahalia Jackson. You may not have the voice of Andre Crouch. You notice I used two people that have gone on to be with the Lord. Uh, he said, you, have, you sing from your heart with whatever you have. So that even includes guys like me can sing from our heart. Just don't sing very loud. Uh, <laughs> sing with thankfulness in your hearts. And then finally, we obey from our heart. These are in your notes. You can look them up. Romans 6, 17 says, Be thanks, but thanks be to God that you were once slaves of sin, but have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. So you know what? I obey the Lord from my heart. And finally, from my heart, we give. Tim's going to be talking about that here in a second after Rick sings. But we give from our heart. And that's 2 Corinthians 9, 7, which says, Each one must give as he has made up his mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, watch this, for God loves a cheerful giver. How do you give cheerfully? You give from your heart. We give cheerfully. We give generously. We give regularly. Paul said set aside each week to give. So we give regularly. We give cheerfully in other words. You want my money, here's my money. Here's my money. It's God's money anyway. I give it back to God. I give it to each other. We get our love a system restart our brotherly love gift. We give it to one another. We give it to God. We give freely because God has given to us freely. Amen. We give freely, we give generously, we give from our heart. And God blesses that. Amen. So the Monday morning moment is God wants us to give him our hearts and not just our lip service. I'll say it again. The Monday morning moment is God wants us to give him our hearts and not just our lip service. Amen. Amen. So Micah says the verse that goes with the Monday morning moment. Micah says the Old Testament prophet, call him a minor prophet, but he had a major message. Micah was a home run hitter right out the block. Micah hits a home run in chapter 6, verse 8, when he says, but he has told you, old man, what is good and what God requires of us. And here's what God requires of us. It's, It's from our heart. He says, to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. That's all God requires. It doesn't sound like much, does it? If it can fit in one verse, hey, we got this. God only wants a couple things, but boy, those couple things, doing justice, treating people right, being forgiving, living in forgiveness, treating people kindly, i talked about that in Sunday school, let's get the dog off our face, let's quit being so mean and unapproachable, Let's quit being so cantankerous as Christians. Let's quit being so holier than thou and egotistical where people don't feel comfortable coming into our air, our airspace. Let's create an, a, an environment of warmth and welcoming. Let's create an environment of comfort and peace instead of the hostility. Sometimes that we project, let's make sure that people are okay coming around us and not afraid that we're going to get a lecture or a sermon every time they say Hello. And here's an idea. Why don't we say hello first? Don't just walk by somebody. I'm I'm walking my sister, Sister Lillian. Just walk by somebody, don't say nothing. I know I'm off camera, it's okay. Y'all get the idea. No, here's the idea. How about we say hello, hi, how are you? How's your day? How you doing? just engaging. It's an icebreaker. It allows a person that might otherwise been intimidated by your body language and your countenance to possibly say, Hey, you know, I'm not having a great day, but I could, you know, I could use some help. Or can I ask you a question or thank you for asking. It's just amazing how God can use little things, simple things that we take for granted, which are essentially common courtesy and God can use that to be a door opener that allows you to get a word in, to get a message in, get a smile in, give someone a little pick-me-up, amen, little things that matters, our expression, our smile, our warmth and our voice, little things. God is good. I'm out of time. See you next week on this same subject. God bless you. Come on, Rick. <laughs>